Yes, you're very welcome along to Heartlines. This is Shane, and this is episode 15, okay? And this episode, I asked a, a friend of mine, um, a comedian friend, he's from Ireland, and I asked him on just for a bit of a chat, and he gladly accepted. So yeah, you're very welcome along. Uh, it's Aidan Killian. So Aidan, what's, what's going on? What's up with you? Good to be here, Shane. Nice to see you again. Uh, yes. What's up with me? I'm in Ireland. We're kind of ending lockdown right now. Yeah. I'm upstairs above a tire shop. I'm in their office. My friend owns it. And they said I could do the interview <laughs> here. Because <laughs> all the cafes are closed. And the place I normally go is a hotel up the road. And they're residents only. So yeah. anyway, I'm here. And the yeah. Wi-Fi is working. And we're alive. Yeah, so like you're from Ireland. Whereabouts, whereabouts are you from in Ireland, Aidan? Uh, Dublin, the the capital. I'm from Dublin, although I, I grew up as a very young uh, baby in County Meath, which is where the High Kings of Ireland uh, all lived in the past, allegedly. Yeah, okay, and yeah. Then, and then, uh, but we moved at a young age into the, the big schmuck, as they say, the That's big it. smoke. Yeah. And this is my home. Dublin's still here. I've been moving all around the world, but I'm back to uh, the capital of my yeah. island. Where where was where was home for you for most of your formative years? Whereabouts in Dublin? Um, I grew up in Rathfarnham. Okay. I went to school in Turnure and Rockbrook, which is up the Rathfarnham Mountains. Yeah. Uh, I remember cycling, always cycling everywhere at that age. And then I went to live with my grandmother at 17 because my sister was driving me bananas, teenage <laughs> sisters. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. I lived with my grandmother and my uncle for a while. Mount Marion's that's South Dublin again, and then mm. college was in DCU Northside, and mm. then sure I was off to Japan working. That's the I quick see. summary. That's how you you capture someone's life in uh, sound bites. So you tell me you, you went to Rockbrook School, so you know the creek. Did you play pitch and put the creek? Oh yeah, yeah. We used to play, <laughs> I got a hole in one once. Got a Did hole you? in one once, and then I retired. Yeah, I, my I friend's back, dad took me. I was, I was back there a couple of years ago uh, playing. She's uh, it's still as difficult as it was, but she's I don't know how to make a pitch and put course. It was in a valley essentially. You're just hitting across valleys and hoping the ball will land in the green. And you're like most yeah. of the time, it goes in the water. And you're like, yeah. I must do pitch and put this sometime. That'd be a good thing to exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. There you are. So, years. I'm an ideas man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to college. Where you? Where'd you go to college again? I went to DCU, Dublin City University. I studied finance, or should I say, I was. Uh, a participant in the finance course, but I didn't study very much at all, but I somehow managed to get through. I manipulated my way through college. <laughs> they gave me an honours degree. I actually, technically I failed, but uh, they made an error in one of the exams. And I pointed it out to them that if it wasn't for that error that they were fully responsible for, I spent so much time thinking about it. Okay. But if I didn't waste that energy thinking about it, I could have done better in the exam and therefore passed. Wow. And if, if I'd passed that exam, I wouldn't have been so stressed and therefore I wouldn't have failed the other exams. So I needed an honours degree or else I was going to let the press know. And then I said, are you aware of the high suicide rate of people my age in university? Oh my God. I know. This I is know getting, it's awful. This is it's awful. Now, will you? Geez, I, I, I have to. I, I'm gonna have to put like an 18 plus on, on this tag in this episode. What's going on? All oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> let's, let's go back and start again. Ah, no, 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 no. Uh, so you're saying that you you, you see you've seen a, a loophole in the system and it got you through college? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I suppose that's one way of looking at it. I mean, technically, they made an error in the exam, and they're. Um, yeah prestigious uh, organization that's uh, yeah. about education so they shouldn't really be making uh, amateur errors like that sure. so if anything i really helped them i helped sure. them be better yeah. 
and got an honors degree. I think the uh, did you get a, did you get a two two or a two one or? Yeah, I think it's a two two. Middle of the road, yeah. I, I don't marketing. <laughs> marketing. Oh, yeah. Where'd you go? I, I went to uh, Tala because okay, I'm, yeah, I'm from, yeah. I'm from Tala, yeah. So I'm that's handy. I'm from Tala. Tala gets uh, has a reputation, it's a big place, but uh, I'm from, as my friend from Ballymun says, I'm from Posh Tala. I don't know what that means. All oh, right. From, and there's, I'm not, a, there's a bit of both. There is Posh Tala, there's like Turn Your Fur House Tala, and then there's like the uh, there's the tougher areas. I forget yeah. the name, but you drive up there and you're like, wow, that's the real, that's the real Tala. Tala, Tala folks are, are real people, okay? They're real people and they're real problems and they're good people I love too. It. They're, they're great. I saw when the cops went there, the water protest, it was terrifying. The cops just went in there like like they were soldiers. It was like yeah. an American car. I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they were obviously terrified of the people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so you studied, uh, you, well, you don't like me, you do business and you're kind of like, business is kind of a staple. You do business and you know you can get a kind of a job from that. There's, there's lots of like accountants in the world. There's lots of businessmen and women. Uh, so... How did you start? How did you start getting into comedy? So, was there a comedy uh, club or a society in the university? No, uh, there probably was, but I wasn't aware of it. What happened yeah. was, I was, I got a job in finance for Bear Stearns, which is a big American investment bank mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah, and I worked really hard. I was always a hard worker. My family had their own business, and I, we, we, I kind of, I suppose, I learned from watching my uncle and, and you know, other family members, my grandmother. So I worked, I never missed a day, even when I broke my hand uh, at karate, I broke my hand and the next day I turned up and typed up my left or the same day, you know, the same day, it was the same day. Anyway, I never took a day off, Yeah. uh, which even though when they told me I could, just because, well, they were paying me. So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. understand why you do that. It wasn't in my, at that time, it wasn't in my, in my brain now yeah. i'd be milking the system probably <laughs> i'm corrupted i'm corrupted. but anyway so i worked hard and then they sent me off to tokyo an investment yeah. bank setting up the derivatives offices um back office back middle yeah. office kind of thing yeah inputting derivative trades and um i just did comedy because i wanted better presentation skills i realized the comedians are the best public speakers in the world probably because they get instant feedback either For you're sure, funny yeah. or you're not so the audience laugh and you know it works yeah they don't and you know you need to improve it yeah so i, I did it just for a dare you know if you will yeah. one of my friends practiced for a month got three minutes together got a few laughs at my mediocre sexist jokes and then um I fell in love with it you yeah. know uh, making an audience laugh and i suppose that the combination of excitement and fear in this moment this you know the time it takes for you to say those words what happens in this space before the next words. And it's that being fully present and fully alive. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't work sometimes in the sense that they don't laugh, but the, the, the being alive works. And then when yeah. they laugh, I suppose it's, it's a, a perfect connection of lots yeah. of humans all at once. And there's yeah. a real, uh, it's a real human bonding experience and a positive one. It yeah. certainly can be. I mean, I'm not saying all comedy always is, but there are moments where it's really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. And so I fell in love with that and quit my finance job, lost my properties, lost all my assets, ended up living in a squat, doing open mic gigs for free in the Battle of the Axe or International, wherever I could get seven minutes. Yeah, yeah. 
and just built it up until eventually yeah. I could afford to feed myself. What year did you start doing comedy? Like, well, from open mics to, yeah. What year did you start doing comedy? What year? 2007 was when I would, 2006 or seven. I think it's okay. 2007 was my first gig. And then, yeah. Then I'd come back to Ireland, maybe 2008, 2009, uh, because mm. a few of those gigs in Tokyo, I was still working for the first year or so. And then, oh, okay, so you I started comedy years. in Japan. Yeah, that's right. To, to, like, to, were you doing uh, gigs in like maybe in, is there many Irish bars and or like kind of expat bars, or was it? Were you, there were, were you expat doing... bars. Okay, I don't think they were Irish, as far as I remember. There was a Canadian one and there was a British one. Okay, they had a monthly gig. And yeah. I thought it was great because I didn't know anything else. But, uh, well, it was great. You know, there was yeah. a guy called Dave there who gave me my first gig. He was a hard-working comic. For me, he was yeah. way up on the ladder at the time because, he, you know, he was a more experienced professional comic mm. in my worldview, you know. For sure, yeah. And uh, he generously gave me a gig and gave me some advice about not going over time and, you know, things mm-hmm. that are basic now. But at the time, it's a big deal. You know, you're meant to get three minutes and you do four minutes or five mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That those two minute or two comes off someone else's time. He was strict, which, which for me was really beneficial. You know, he was he was strong. You know, if you broke the rules, he wouldn't give you a gig next time. And wow. I think that's what the scene needed. You know, back then, or at least it's what I needed. You know, for the guidance. No. So anyway, he was a Canadian dude or American. I think yeah. I'm not sure. Um, okay. And uh, then I ended up back in Ireland and the likes of Simon O'Keefe and um, and Aidan mm. Bishop and. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who else gave me gigs. I'm probably leaving out people, but all the guys in Dublin, they gave me mm. the open mic gigs. And I set up my own club then once a week in uh, Laugh Out Loud, we used to call it, but now it's called Dublin Comedy Club. It's uh, weekly, every Wednesday with Jonathan Hughes. And we bring in any acts we can, you know, sure, all the yeah. good acts. And uh, well, Tommy Tiernan has done it. Yeah. Phil Kay from Scotland. I've had yeah. a few, David O'Doherty does it regularly. Yeah. Get in a lot of great acts in a small, friendly, it's a very friendly little room. Yeah, and uh, I mean nowadays we're closed uh, because of COVID, but we will be open again someday soon. Yeah, with that's masks it. I, and social distancing. <laughs> I, I, it's just in, like I mean, especially a small intimate venue to make it even smaller because you can have to keep a meter, two meter distance. That'd be challenging. I mean, a lot of people have moved on to the you know the online kind of uh, aspect of performing. Yeah. Have you done many gigs online since it's uh, since we, lockdown? We did, I did one on Zoom. I don't find it funny. I think it's. You know, it goes against my heart because I don't feel it's in the interest of humanity to participate in creating this new norm. Yeah. You know, I mean, call me a cynic or I don't believe it. I, you know, it's not that I think Emperor Bill Gates is trying to vaccinate, and, you know, control mankind or wipe us all out. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is to a certain extent. I don't really know exactly what's going yeah. on, but I do know the stats. The stats are out now. Yeah. So 0.02% of people died in Europe, which is the same as the flu. So fuck you for closing us down, is my general attitude. But at mm-hmm. the same time, oh, I'm not meant to curse again. You've got kids watching. Sorry. Ah, no, I've, I've got kids watching. I'm just saying, I'm trying to keep it. I, look, I, I, okay. I, the whole I'll idea is keep, is keep it a free form. But if you say something, I, I'll keep it in. It, you know, it's, it's, it's your personality. It's your style. I don't, want <laughs> to, I, I don't want to take away from what you want to bring. I'm more like pro-humanity. And I'm, I remember okay. after the last recession, I think it was, I think the stats, some of you could check it, but it was males, male suicides went up 58%. And this time I really have a concern watching all the businesses, like in my little town in Dalkey, it's a very small village, you know, mm-hmm. the flower shops closed. I believe the Indian shops closed down. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the bars, Queens, the Queens, I, I run comedy shows in the Queens monthly. 
okay. beautiful comedy shows. That's closed down. That's yeah. these these are family businesses. Yeah, and all the staff have, have are lost jobs. So I'm really concerned about what's going to happen as to the economy. I say the word the economy, but I mean to mm. the humans who are going to become dependent on a state that has a, a long history of working against the good of, of their own people. And and I think that it's going to end up in death, you know, in poverty. And that's, you know, anybody who looks at clearly can see that. So for me, if we calculate, you know, the mathematically of, you know, the actual stats versus yeah. what's happening, I'm very, I'm very concerned. That's all. And I'm not saying I have the answer and I'm not saying the answer is, you know, we all start hugging old people. I don't think that's it either. I'm just very concerned right now, the way the world's going, not just for gigs. So I don't want to participate by doing stupid zoom gigs. I'd prefer just not to do them and wait yeah. until we know more. Yeah. No, yeah. it's, um, I th- the thing is as well, like, comedy works best when you have an audience and i, I i've read up I've, I've looked on online and seen uh, some comedians say that it's better when there's when there's less like uh, gaps in the audience because if if you're in a small room like you said like you do a gig in dublin where is it is that on show is it or where, where, where is the oh you do a lot of them on show was the one we set up years ago like more than okay. 10 years ago it's a beautiful yeah. little room yeah upstairs it holds about 50 people yeah and now i suppose with social distancing 20 yeah i'm not really we haven't calculated it yet yeah at best maybe 15 yeah yikes and it works better with just like in front of people because comedians well it's maybe a narcissistic by nature they want to be loved so if you're talking to a a camera the camera's not going to laugh back at you you can put some canned laughter there but you know you need that instant kind of uh (laughs) you need the instant gratification you know what i mean and sometimes the flow, it's not a simple joke. It's the flow. It's like a joke yeah. tag. It's like a conversation joke. And yeah. it bounces off it. And sometimes you hit the laughter and you bounce on that. And sometimes the joke is the laughter itself. Someone laughs yeah. over there. It's a different laughter. And just one look at it. Yeah. And then the room is connected. Yeah. Whereas now it's going to be people far away. Sometimes yeah. the comedy isn't even the joke itself. It's being in the room with your friends or mm. friends you don't haven't met yet. Other people yeah. sitting close to you and seeing them laugh or hearing them yeah. laugh gets you into that state of giddiness yeah. or joy, yeah. even if you will. I mean, what is laughter? The audible expression of merriment. You know, all it is is so this joy. It's hard to to do that when you're sitting at home on your own or with your friend texting on WhatsApp mm. or whatever, mm. and you, you want to connect to some guy who's speaking. I don't get it. You know, yeah. if I want to see a comedy show on Zoom, why not just go and watch one of the best in the world, Louis C.K. or whoever you like, Michael McIntyre, anybody in the world likes. You watch your favorite comedian. It could be Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce. You can yeah. watch them at their peak, their best show ever, for free. So yeah. why watch some guy in his room or her room going, oh man, here comes my next joke. Um, so I was wearing a mask the other day and then <laughs> Trump's terrible, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> at least when you're watching a YouTube video, for example, you're watching them in front of an audience. So they're laughing at them. So you probably will laugh along with it. But when you're watching them in awesome. their room, and you're looking at the, mm. the, the vacuum cleaner in the background <laughs> or, or <laughs> yeah. the toilet. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. see that. Right. You know. Yeah. Or the kid running I mean, behind yeah. them. Look, I'm okay to be proven wrong on this, Shane. I, I yeah, kind of like know. to see it work, uh, but I'm a bit disheartened because we tried yeah. one with some real quality comedians. And yeah. I didn't laugh much, you know, and I wanted yeah. to, but whatever. You know, yeah. let's see. Maybe I'll be proven wrong on this. There'll be some comics out there who'll master it. Maybe it's a new skill and I'm just not adapting. But 
wouldn't it be sad to to change from the comedy world that we know and love mm-hmm. to, that families and friends and people yeah. who are out on their own in a new environment they all yeah. go out for a night out yeah, the room is full people are laughing you get people who meet on their first date you know who yeah. end up getting married and live happily ever after children it's a yeah. real social community bonding positive experience it can be yeah versus sitting at home on your own watching a screen you know yeah. it's just not the same it's it's a, if we look at it i mean you get some brilliant mathematician to work it out right so they say like laughter is the best medicine so if you laugh mm. it's healing and it's a positive thing right so all of that yeah. going out laughing versus sitting at home in front of a screen that probably damages you staring at a screen for hours probably right probably damages your eyes maybe it reduces the ability of your cells versus the other one that would be uplifting so my guess is <laughs> we might actually be contributing to murdering mankind we're, we're depopulating the planet you and me shane right now <laughs> yeah well actually, the same stuff does work i'm laughing at myself <laughs> No, but like it's, it is like that. Like I've been for like, I don't know what you've been up during lockdown, but I've been, well, working this podcast. I've been trying to be do creative things, but also I've been watching a lot of Netflix and what a lot of like the screen a lot. And it's, Mm. it's not good because you're getting, you're seeing the world through like, you know, Mm. a a kind of fictional kind of land and the world is out there, but you can't actually go out there so much. I've been very, strict to myself i've only went i haven't like broken the the rules to go well see the family i didn't go see the family for for three months you know and it's tough Aww. because i know you want to hug people and i maybe men are not so much huggers as much as women but a handshake or a, a hug makes a big difference when you can't do that it's kind of you know well i mean you you can do it but you're choosing not to um, true, and i, I completely true. understand and respect that yeah. But I suppose there's different ways of looking at it. Like I don't want my mother because she's very concerned and she suffered uh, from heart and lung stuff. So she thinks yeah. if she did get it, she'd probably die. That's her yeah. worldview. So yeah. if I ever do see her, we sit far away in the garden for her safety and comfort. Mm. However, I have other friends, you know, that they think like I do. And to, to, to summarize that, there is uh, something out there. They call mm. it COVID, whatever that is. Yeah, but the best way to fight that would be by having a strong immune system, and some basic things that you already know would be to have your vitamin C and your vitamin D to get out there in nature. You know, mm-hmm. the sunshine especially. Yeah. But uh, you know, go for a walk on the beach or in a forest. So all of that will strengthen your immune. But another thing that strengthens your immune system is, and I'm definitely not an expert, so someone smarter than me mm-hmm. can correct my um, interpretation of this. By touching this door, for example, here, right? Mm-hmm. Other people have touched it. So there's bacteria there. And mm-hmm. my body fights that bacteria, which keeps me healthy and strong. Yeah. Now, if I don't do that for three months, I don't touch anything, I don't touch anyone else, then I'm not fighting different bacteria. So when I do come out of lockdown, I haven't had my vitamin D because mm-hmm. I haven't been out. And all of a sudden I touch something, I'm not able to fight it. So mm-hmm. if there is another wave, and Emperor Bill Gates says there will be, he's probably right, Okay. So if that's the case, then a lot of people are going to get very, very sick mm. because they've been locked in in their bedrooms. So I personally would think it's a good idea, you know, to build up your immune system in any way you can, the yeah. best way you can. Yeah. So I think uh, anyway, so yeah, I, I would hug you, Shane. If you wanted a hug, <laughs> I'd give you a hug. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Give, give a few weeks. Uh, so I, <laughs> I, um, 
Irish people are are known for lacking vitamin D because we don't get that much sun. I mean, you've right, traveled yeah. around the world and you've been to <laughs> warm places, but you're not. If you're living in Ireland, you, like this, it, it rains a lot and it's cloudy, and we don't get much sun. So I take lots of vitamin D because I I I, I lack Amen. it. You know what I mean? But Amen. I I probably. I'm lacking even that bit of like fresh air because sometimes during lockdown you'd be going out for maybe an hour a day and you'd be stuck with that because you just don't want to go any further than that. You don't put yourself at risk, you know? I do too. I only do an hour. I do a half an hour run every lunchtime and not yeah. every lunchtime nearly. In the, but sometimes it's been sunny here, so we've been lucky. Yeah, but true. I, I, you have to admit, I've been a bit lazy. I could be going out in the evenings, but I've been... Yeah addicted to netflix self-indulgent <laughs> what's <laughs> what your been doing. what's your top show what 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 have you got, got i really liked ozark that was addictive it's a bit violent but i liked it i um, hear ozark's a bit slow moving i i liked it you I like it? it yeah i didn't uh, expect to like it but i did oh there's one with one against the bankers but i never remember the name of it i enjoyed mm. that um well, i was watching sinatra there the other day i thought that was a bit slow but he's so good you know yeah, um, and I'm not watching any. Oh, I've been watching South Park as well. South Park's con- so consistently making the uh, material, you know. So it's always kind of a, a, like if something happens a week before, they'll be on top of it, you know. So it's, it's just know. the way it is. They're, they're so always yeah, they're so sharp. Yeah, I went to see uh, the Book of Mormon in London. Have you seen the Book of Mormon? Is that the theater show? Did yeah, you, it's it's live. When did you see that? Even oh, before, before lockdown. Back in November. Wow, I haven't seen it because whatever, I haven't, and it's good. It's yeah, it's apparently it's coming to Dublin in December, so I, we should be out of the worst. Hopefully, touch wood, we're out with the the worst of it, so theaters can open to a point. But they're coming to du- Dublin and uh, they're coming to Dublin in December to do a run as well. It's really good. You, you know, you think of musicals, and some people are musical fans, like Andrew Lloyd Webber type musicals, but it's actually really funny. You see that? Okay, game. great. I look forward to it. That'd Dude, be good if if if, go if we're allowed it. out. I'll uh, check it out. Buy some tickets. Be nice to go to the theater. Actually, yeah. that'd be lovely. Yeah. Mm, we went to the opera before lockdown. My first opera, and I loved it in the the National Concert Hall. I'd never been. Yeah. I got tickets for me and Lily, my partner, and yeah. uh, we. I thought you needed to dress up, so I wore a suit. <laughs> you know, I trimmed the beard, wore a suit and a shirt. And we were like the most, we were the ones overdressed. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else cared. Now, so what else have you been up to, up to during lockdown? Have you, have you found any new passions, any new skills? It, yeah, I've been doing a bit of running, just half an hour. Uh, but yeah. I was quite unfit at the start. I lost like seven kilos, which oh. I think I needed. I stopped drinking beer or, I didn't say stop, but like one day a week. But I, I've reduced it. I drink a bit of red wine instead. Um, yeah. Usually organic. I've been cooking a lot. Uh-huh. I know a lot of people have, and I've got quite confident. I'm quite confident of cooking an old chicken breast or steak or vegetarian. I need more vegetarian dishes uh, to learn. But uh, anyway, um, what else did I do? For the first while, I just felt sorry for myself because mm. I've got a comedy festival, Magnus International Comedy Festival in Europe. Sorry, in Asia. <laughs> I don't even know what continent my own festival is in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's big. You know, we're in. Tokyo, Singapore, Bangkok, wow. Phuket, Vietnam, usually uh, Ho Chi Minh City, sometimes Hanoi, uh, Manila, where else are we? Shanghai. And it's a big, big event. We, you know, we had Al, Al, Al I was going to say Al Porter. We didn't have Al Porter, but I would book him. He's great. Um, He's funny. Al yeah. Murray. We had Al Murray and, yeah. uh, from England, and we had yeah. Reginald D. Hunter booked. 
I see Bill Bailey, Ardle O'Hanlon came in January. But anyway, I had the whole thing booked, and we the festival's probably not. I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, it was meant to be in March. It got postponed. Mm-hmm. If it's safe and the governments uh, agree, we'll do it later in the year. But that festival stopped. Anyway, my comedy club in Singapore, I own the Merry Line, uh, the Singapore's only full-time comedy club, that stopped, you know, postponed, and we we're facing having to pay mm. rent while not being open, which is mathematically impossible unless I'm to borrow money and go into debt, which I'd prefer not to do, you know, for the sake of um, making the landlord wealthier, you know, and I understand he, he's in a position too, but the reality is if we're not open to trade or we're not allowed trade, I don't need a venue. For right? sure. Same as anybody. Yeah. So uh, that happened. And then all the events I was doing in Dublin were closed. So my three mm. businesses that I'd spent 15 years building up, I'd gone from an investment banker down to, bankrupt being mm-hmm. a comic building mm-hmm. it up as a comic realizing mm-hmm. i need something a bit more stable mm-hmm. created these businesses worked hard mm-hmm. for years to build it up and mm-hmm. then just overnight everything was taken yeah uh, and i lost a lot of money but pretty much all my savings everything i've done so i felt sorry for myself and started eating snickers mars snickers ice creams and watching netflix uh, for the first month and then afterwards i dug myself out of my uh, self-built hole of self-pity and yeah. I started running and going out and now I'm um, I'm feeling pretty good I've accepted it is what it is there's yeah. nothing I can do about it True. and uh, I've, I've, like you I've, I've, I've been creative I started yeah. doing my my teaching comedy courses and teaching presentation skills and storytelling on Zoom yeah. okay. but instead of doing it like two days in a row I just put all the fun parts in a, mm-hmm. in a short one day course mm-hmm and get people to connect as much as possible. It's not the same as in real life, but it's no, pretty good. For sure, and, yeah. Um, that's what's keeping me going. So, whatever, let's what's the next challenge? Yeah, Indeed. On, well, you, you're a man of many. You're a man of you're a busy busy man. Now, do you share your time between Ireland and Singapore or Asia or have you got like do you do you have homes here and there or, or what what's what's the thing? Or you just go there a few uh, months of the year? I was in Asia uh, full time and I've just come back here to visit. Uh, but I came okay. back just, I came back there last year. Well, actually, technically, I came back in January. I did the okay. Ardell O'Hanlon tour, which was seven cities. He's a, well, may I just add, he, not only is he a wonderful comic, but he's such a great guy. So, him and his wife to hang out with, so easy going. Yeah. And so up for adventure, you know, just to, yeah. You know, he wanted to see a museum or uh, an old foreign church or whatever you call mm-hmm. it, a temple. Yeah. He'd really be up for seeing things, you know, and, and yeah. doing and tasting new foods, really mm. enjoying life. So it's such a pleasure to hang out with him. And uh, and his shows were great and sold out. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. And then we came back and the COVID has just started really. I mean, yeah. people were more aware of it in January. It mm. probably started back in November, but people yeah. were talking about it in January. So that was the end of that. So yeah. I stay, I'm in Dublin full time. I obviously can't, can't fly, same as everybody at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's... And uh, I plan on staying here in Dublin, making mm. my home and traveling less to Asia, just going out for the festivals, mm-hmm. for the festival and letting the, the guys on the ground run the comedy club. They're, they're, they're very competent. They can do it. I've done my bit. I've set it up. It's working. They can take it over. That's great. The last time I seen you was like five years ago. It was at the Edinburgh Fringe. The Edinburgh Fringe Festival has mixed emotions for comedians and performers because it is like, 
one of the biggest is it is it the biggest festival in the world? It probably is. It is the biggest comedy festival in the world. Not the biggest comedy festival. Biggest comedy festival. There's music. There's dance. There's there's uh, students butchering uh, Shakespeare. You get everything at the Edinburgh Fringe. But I seen I seen I seen one of your shows there. And it was called Jesus versus Buddha. Tell the listeners what your show was about, because I went to see it. I thought it was really fun. It was. Uh, it all started when my friend, uh, a man I have a lot of respect for, Bob Slayer, rang me and said, "Aiden, do you want to do a comedy show?" And I said, "I can't. I don't have new material." And this was in May, I believe. And and he goes, "Come on, you've got enough time. You've still got three months. May, June, July. You still got three months to create mm. create a comedy show. You can do it." Okay. And I go, "Okay, maybe I can. Maybe I can do it." When 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 do when do you need an answer, boy? And he goes, "By the end of this phone call." <laughs> someone had pulled out and he had a last minute and he thought I was crazy enough to do it mm-hmm. I said well I don't have a title or anything and then he goes go on what's the first thing in your head and I said Jesus versus Buddha because I used to have long hair and a, and a beard mm-hmm. like a Jesus look okay. and he had a shaved hair and he was a bigger guy at the time and I said you know Jesus versus Buddha if I didn't come up with a show the two of us could stand on stage and just slag each other <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my plan B but something happened uh, along the way. I, I was, you know, I was going to slag religion a bit probably at the start. Uh, but as I started reading and researching Jesus and Buddha, I, I reached this understanding. I actually woke up. I mm. woke up in a panic sweat. You know, I'm not sure like if some spirit spoke to me. But I realized that I couldn't go up there and take the piss out of what these people spoke or at least what they represent okay it was much bigger than me i was taking on something serious yeah so i tried to take it on with integrity and respect Mm -hmm. for the for the truth that was spoken so i looked for the truth and and i looked beyond the bible i looked at like these you know jesus when he was a child you know the the ones where he was five years old and turning other five-year-olds into stone and reading all these things about jesus that i'd never heard right all these crazy stuff right okay and, but 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 the, it ended up rather than Jesus versus Buddha. It's the what they spoke. You know, like turn the other cheek. Buddha and Jesus pretty much had the same. They they spoke the same mm. language. They, they had the same quotes, slightly different, but it was the same meaning. Mm. And and that's what it ended up being. You know, uh, or trying to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I do. I wanted what I wanted to do with the shows that do a show that if Jesus and Buddha were in the room at the end of the show that they'd come up and say that was beautiful. Thanks for doing it. Mm. I didn't I don't know if I fully achieved that, but it was it was good. There was moments where that show was really good. Yeah. And looking back, you know, maybe that's when I should have actually started working on that show. I started, you know, because I didn't have the guidance again. I'm not I'm blaming someone else, but I didn't know comedy. I didn't have an older comedian to put his arm around me or her arm around me and say, Aiden, that's not, you're doing it the wrong way. I used to build a show up like that one starting May, yeah. get to August. And by the end of August, I do my show and then I record it and I drop it. Mm. That's like six months or less. But the pro comedians, now I've met them because I'm a promoter now. Mm. I've met Bill Bailey and I asked him and he said, we spent a year building a show, mm-hmm. uh, 90 minutes or so. And then mm. you tour it for a year and then you, you might record it. Yeah. So that's two years. And he's one of the best, the greatest acts, not yeah. just of now, but maybe of ever. You know, mm. he's a, an amazing performer. Mm-hmm. And that's two years. And then I met Doug Stanhope in America, one of the most prolific 
brilliant minded uh, comics, like a true comedian. Mm-hmm. And he said a year and a half, you know, half the time building it up, half the yeah. time performing, a year and a half. And they're the greats. So what the hell was I doing? Some amateur comic from Ireland taking on religion and doing it in six months and then dropping it. So yeah. that's when I probably should have started touring it for a year and perfect it. Um, and now that I know that, <laughs> what, like, I'm not taking responsibility and actually doing it, but I know what, it now. So if you're a comic, there's some advice for you, my friend. Patience is a virtue, yeah. But like, do you know what you're doing there, okay? Now, what I didn't explain about this show was you, you cut your hair halfway down so you had a bald head on one side. So you went for six months walking around the streets of Dublin or wherever you are in the world looking like that. So that, you really committed to that, really proper method acting stuff, you know? So yeah, what, it was beautiful because <laughs> I'd go into a shop like Centra or wherever, yeah. you forget how you look. Yeah. You don't really, you don't know how you look because you don't think about it. Yeah. You go into a shop and the first thing people would see me, they just smile. Yeah. And it was great. It's really uplifting. And then it reminds you, like once I got pulled over by a cop, just yeah. checking, checking NCT or whatever, <laughs> yeah. just harassing humans on the street. And he pulled me over, right? And I just turned, you know, so my head just turns and he uh. sees the half ball. And it's just faces. He's just like, just go on. This guy's funny. Because uh, uh, like you see one side of your head and it's bald. The other side is just full of full of hair it's and the beard i had the shave perfectly yeah there. you shaved at half the beard as well that's the that's yeah. the magic of it and i think if you if you did carry on you would have perfected it all the way because you would have had that look and people would have seen that look all the time it was just immense like yeah um yeah, cool. were you working on anything uh, this for this year's fringe are we going to do a show this year's fringe i wasn't going to do a show no yeah I was looking into Bill Gates beforehand and I knew he was going to plan this uh, pandemic. So I didn't do it. No, I, <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't do it. I have an idea for a show. Yeah. And I've, it's a bit deeper. It's a bit, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but basically I, I meditate quite a bit, not enough, but I meditate, do yeah, Vipassana meditation. Yeah. You know Vipassana, Shane? No. It's the, uh, it's the, I mean, it's a 10 day, um, I don't want to use the word retreat, but you go there for 10 days, no phone, no writing, no reading, no computers, yeah. no talking in yeah. silence. And they just give you a very simple guidance and mm. you're on your own to meditate and you look mm. within. That's it. It's kind of breathing, sitting in, no religion. Yeah. It's just you on your own. And it's quite, kind of hard to deal with your own talk, thoughts. You Definitely. know, it's a challenge. But I suppose it's the only time I ever got enlightenment you know, mm. tasted, that might be the wrong word, tasted eternity in a moment without any drugs or anything. Or it's just, mm. I just became, I don't know, like a sound or a wave. or mm. And there was no concept of pain or suffering. And I realized it's, it's possible. Maybe that's what the likes of Buddha and Jesus mm-hmm. had all of the time in their existence. And I had it for yeah. a second, you know, or whatever. And so... I'd like to get back to a level where I don't have hold on to this anger and angst, you know, like, yeah. you know, a friend of mine ripped me off and robbed my website once. And I still hold on to that. You know, I just, you know, the betrayal or the treachery and he probably did it for his own reasons, but mm-hmm. part of me wants to kill him. You know, I still yeah. have that part of me. Uh, you know, I'd love not to have any animosity at all, mm. you know? So what, anyway, get to my show point. I'd like to meditate loads, like a lot. Right. And then do the, do the show like in the meditation for an hour in the position sitting and just do the show. I mean, obviously I'd have to have jokes written. 
yeah i'd like it to be noble speech i'd I'd like not to curse i'd like to you know to make it positive and beautiful yeah. but but it's not it's, it's not easy that's it you know for me it's not easy it's one it's not easy to sit it's not easy to create that and i'm making excuses but i would love that that would be a show i'd love to do you know yeah. meditation you know super positive super true like make it real and uplifting and funny yeah. so that's what I want to do this time next year. Paddy the Irish Enlightened Man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, I also noticed you wrote a book called Dear Plonker. Can you explain that? And now, the name Dear Plonker for me would re- would resonate with a, a very well-known cult classic comedy like called Only Fools and Horses. Uh, did you take the name from that or yes or no? Yeah, I mean, I think they created the word plonker kind of means, yeah. you know, like, like dickhead or something like that. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it's like a nice way of saying, you know, he's a plonker. Yeah. I presume that's where it came from. I, I think it's, it did. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'd say you're right. And uh, <laughs> So for me, I, when I was a banker, I had money and then the banks came after me. So my, I, I didn't really understand very much mm-hmm. for me. I bought a property. I paid a hundred thousand or whatever down. And then the market crashed and I lost a tenant and the bank sold the house and they took the money. So my understanding is I've lost all my savings and you invested in it. And now you've lost as well, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if they've lost, but they probably Mm -hmm. got insured. And did they actually have the money in the first place? Mm -hmm. Or did my signature on a piece of paper create an asset, an asset back, and they they sold it as an asset back security Mm -hmm. and profited? Probably. I don't know what they did. Yeah. But I don't think they're, they're a loss. So I challenged them on that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, ultimately they took the house, um, but they wanted more, but I didn't have any money. So I had nothing to lose. So it was kind of easy for me to stand up to them. Yeah. So I'm not saying this is easy for everybody, but I stood up to the banks and eventually I just started mocking them and having a laugh with them and chasing, like sending them on, you know, merry-go-rounds. I used to sometimes take their letters and put in the dominoes and all the other spam letters and put it all back in and a pair of used socks tape it up return to sender and the reason i put stuff in that like weighed something is so then they'd have to pay for the postage so (sighs) i was really you know and i'd happily meet them in person or i have to pay them i mean money as per its definition is something that has a value Mm. i didn't have any cash they can print cash so they can print all the cash they like Mm. but my value as a comic is jokes so i said how many jokes do you want and they didn't want any jokes so therefore (laughs) they didn't want anything that i had to offer so all I did is I refused to be afraid from the pressure they put me under. Yeah. And then it was very liberating. So if I got a phone call from a bank or someone acting on behalf of the bank, because usually, yeah. usually the people making the phone calls, they're probably working minimum wage or not much more. And it's a shit job. Yeah. So it's not their fault, but they're trained to intimidate mm. the individual. And I refused to be intimidated. So I'd talk back to them. I'd go, you, hey, you want my name? And I understand that because you need this name. You need yeah. me to admit to being the legal entity, Aiden Killian, or you're not legally allowed to continue this call. Yeah. But I'm not saying I won't give you the name, and I'm not saying I won't admit to being that name or any name you want. But first, I've got a few questions for you. Yeah. What did you get for Christmas? Now, they didn't want to answer my questions. So I said, look, if you're not going to answer my questions... I'm not lawfully permitted to continue by myself. I create these laws and I, I can't break my own laws, mm. right? So if you can't answer these questions, I'll tell you what you do. Take a note and when you can answer those questions, come back to me, right? And I change every time. I would just have fun with it. 
So eventually yeah. they disappeared because there is no debt. There's, there's more to it than you think, right? Mm. And so then I, I expanded this, right? Like eFlow is a toll bridge in Ireland that some scam artists, you know, um, set up originally. And the deal was if they set it up and after 10 years or whatever amount of time they got their money back, then the people of Ireland owned it. But instead they sold it. They sold it to a French company. I think it's Sanef or something like that. And yeah. now this French company get money from the people of Ireland for using a bridge we've already paid for. And that's, yeah. that's theft. That's what it is. It's stealing. And it's, it's, it's treating these human beings like ants, like less, like with, with no respect, right? Mm -hmm. It's horrible. So anyway, you drive through the road and it costs two ninety or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't pay in 24 hours, it's, they send you, it goes up to 12. What's yeah. that? 400% because yeah. you forgot to pay. And if you don't pay that, it's 40 and then it's 110. I was like, I'm not paying that. You want to send me to prison? Fine. Because I refuse to be afraid of the mental prison that you're putting me under with threat and duress. Right. Because I'm not a slave. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I was born into this world free and I demand to be free and I will not be abused and bullied and threatened with your threats of money. And, and if I don't pay it, then I go to prison. And what happens to me in prison? I could get physically hurt, uh, sexually hurt. Yeah. So how far are they going to go with this? I say it's my road and I'll drive through it if I want. And if I don't yeah. pay it on time, tough luck, come yeah. and get me. I'll give you your 290. So anyway, long story short, if you look into it, what they're doing isn't even fucking legal. Right, yeah. so I write back to them. There's this. If you look at the eFlow, this is fascinating. If you follow okay. it, right, their representative, their lawyer, or whatever, the mm. man acting as their law advisor, he has an office. Where's his office? Where should it be? The road is in Dublin, the capital of Ireland, right? So it should be in Dublin, right? No, yeah. they pick the furthest place. It's in Kerry, in Dingle, in a yeah. tiny little area. Right. So I said, listen, you want to discuss me paying you, I think it was 10,000%. The fine at this stage is like 10,000%. I'm willing to discuss it. I am an honorable man and I will pay all of my debts. Mm -hmm. So let's have a genuine discussion. Who owes what? Right. I will meet you in person. Of course, he doesn't want to meet in person. He just wants to, he just wants me to be afraid and pay a fine. I, there is, I don't have to pay any fines or forfeitures. I don't have to yeah. act now, but it's in my book. There's a law that I, you can't threaten someone with fines and forfeitures. So what he's doing is actually criminal behavior, right? Yeah. So, so I'll take him to court, but I want his personal stuff. I'm not after. I want his house. I want his car, right? Because if you're going to threaten me with, with um, okay, so let's say you beat me up physically. You're not allowed yeah. to do that. You've broken yeah. it. But you also can't threaten to beat me up, yeah. right? He's threatened to find me and I'm saying, do I have to pay this? Are you, you hundred percent sure you're legally right? Or is this just a notice at the top? It says notice. What does notice mean? I noticed your notice, right? Thanks mm. for your notice. Do I lawfully have to pay this or not? Right. Answer the question, Bob. Right. Anyway. So I went down to Dingle to meet him, but he stood me up. He didn't turn up. Right. And I paid for the e-flow with one of my videos about debt being an illusion. Right. And I actually have the letter from the guy. He accepted it and the debt was, uh, you know, finished. Yeah. So I'd say to you, if you get, if you look, if you don't want the hassle, just pay the three euros. It's yeah. simple. Right. But if you get a fine, that's huge. You don't have to pay it. Yeah. Give them the original amount back and ask them, are they lawfully allowed threaten you with a fine and forfeiture right yeah and anyway you don't or buy my book it's free i think it's even free on amazon uh, dear plonker yeah I'll it's actually, not I'll free I'll, it's cheap i used to be i used to be a debt collector and oh I, wow 
Yeah. yeah, breaking kneecaps and all. Now, now I, I, I was de- I was a debt collector for a water company, and I'd, I'd be calling up some people, and some people were were fairly abusive, like you can stick it up your hole <laughs> or whatever. Perfect. But most people were stick fine about it. You know what I mean? But yeah, I think you're the exception. I will read your book. Uh, it's, it's so I'd have been. I've got a lot. I became friends with some of the debt collectors. So there's okay, one of the yeah. debt collectors was after me. And I ended up becoming friends, meeting for a coffee afterwards. So we're still Facebook friends. Um, just from the letters, you know, because yeah. I suppose I questioned it, Shane. It's not that I, it's not that, I mean, sometimes I did refuse to pay it. I was like, okay, mm. you're claiming I owe it. Mm. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of the courts because yeah. I will stand by 100% of the truth. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of taking the consequences of perjury in any international court, are you? So I'll start with that. I will yeah. sell 100% of the truth to any court, to any jury, will you? Will you stand before me and swear testimony to the truth? Because if you won't do that, now we're not starting as equals, as peers, right? You're hiding behind your ability to impact fear, right, upon, upon mm. you know, people. That's what it is. They, they, yeah. they, they've got, like, their legal team. They've got their legal words without prejudice notice. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you. Maybe <laughs> yeah. for a coffee as human to human yeah. and I'll discuss it with you. And if you're yeah. not willing to take the time to meet me, don't send me your threats because yeah. I'll take them personally. Anyway, that's how I was back then. Now I just return the stuff to sender. I don't I don't even get them anymore. Uh, now, but uh, I think you'd enjoy it as a debt collector. I'll send you a copy. I have I think there's a copy on my website, ww.aidenkillian.com. Yeah, if you send it on to me, yeah, I don't. I could download yeah. a book. I don't really like the online stuff. I prefer physical copies, but I, I could just lend it to you. <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to send it to me, yeah, I'll, I'll send it back. I'll clean every page before I send it back to you. Yeah. Um. So okay, uh, that was interesting. No, I want to. I have a few quick questions to ask you. Okay, so having traveled around the world and you've been, you've worked many different kind of uh, pubs, clubs. What's your favorite? Where's your favorite place to gig in the world? I loved Kuala, Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. I really, really love them. I think the people are, you know, intelligent and really open-minded, yeah. and uh, and you get an Indian and a Chinese, and, uh, you know, a mm. good mix. You know, there's a good mm-hmm. mix of humans from different backgrounds, yeah. and I think that's ex- extra exciting for me. But yeah. I also love, I love, I love Perth. I love Perth because um, they don't really. They think there's, they think they're a small town as such but they're they're great you know they're in mm. adelaide and i love leicester square city and leicester square theater in london i mean i love many places yeah you know i like a small gig i like a 50 to 100 seater yeah it's uh, yeah that's full. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so what's your most obscure place you've ever gigged or performed like have you like a tent or a bus or something random like that what's your most obscure um Oh no, I'm still here. What's the most obscure gig? I did one in Israel uh, to a group. I, I did something called the Sitting Room Bards, which was we toured people's homes. Me and a poet, Dave Rock, very talented poet and a storyteller and many things. But we we got we got right into the heart of people's homes and got to know them. That was beautiful. But one place that was obscure was a forest in Israel. Um, you know, it was a peace festival for. I suppose Jewish people and Muslim people in a, yeah. in an area that was a controversial, we'll say, and I, I got heckled by a goat. So that's my <laughs> most yeah unusual one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Now, have you ever performed any of your, your idols or uh, comedic kind of uh, inspiration? Yeah, I performed with Doug Stanhope, and I thought he's one of the greatest acts in, in, of all time. But, you know, his manager, Brian Hennigan, made my life misery. Uh, looking back, I can laugh at it, but at the time, I wanted, I was, I think I was close to hitting him. I would have knocked him out. I was a black belt in karate, and I'm not a violent man, but he just, he just made my life hell. And I was so close to just, just, I just said, fuck it, fuck the gig, I'll knock him out. <laughs> why was he? Why was he make, Why was he making your life hell? Was, was it just like your timing? He's just whining and always complaining and trying yeah. to weasel out of a gig and looking yeah. for more and like not paying a bill and leaving a hotel, leaving the bill to pay. I mean, I gave him fifty grand. You know, he's fifty thousand dollars. So, you know, pay your goddamn bill for a hundred bucks and don't be annoying me, putting yeah. it on me and yeah. not doing the same gig and then complaining about just anything he could. He just that's his job to yeah. to, to complain. But he'd shout at me. And if you shout at someone, you're bullying them. And mm. I don't mind that. But I suppose there's the threat of him pulling the gig, which is Doug. Yeah. And that's about money. But I, I would be willing to drop the money rather than be treated like that. And the mm. truth is, if I saw him treating someone else like that, I would have told him not to, not to behave like that in front yeah. of me. Yeah. But I took it. And by taking it and saying nothing, I built up this, this anger, which means I couldn't enjoy the company of Doug as much Uh because the person acting on his behalf, which is his friend who's yeah. protecting him. And I yeah. get it. But for me, I was just, I was really disheartened. You know, you meet your hero. That's what they say, you know? So yeah, no, anyway, Doug Stanhope. Love, love Doug though. Yeah. He's, he's got, he's got a great following. Um, he's also, uh, he also done a gig there in, um, in Glasgow one time and there was riots. There was people fighting during his gig. Like, what, what's that about? Like, you know, like there you go in Bangkok. I had to personally kick out 11 people. The people fainted. People started punching each other in the back. Really? 11 people that I threw yes. out. And there was other people throwing people out. I think it was yeah. 15 in total. Jeez. They swung a punch at my, my business partner and Matt, who's a peaceful teddy bear. Yeah. You know, they were just animals. His own yeah. I, savages. Uh, he's, <laughs> he, he is a hardcore conformer. But, right. But, yeah. But then, I, then you have Bill Bailey, you know, I toured with him and he's the nicest human ever, him and mm. his family, just oh, so cool. Right? Mm. And his audience, just so pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. That's Got it. Come up and there. Who would you book next time? Hmm, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, w- one last one. What's the most daddish joke you've ever, ever heard or told? You know, I'm in this place and downstairs is my friend's dad, John, who's great. And he always tells me, yeah, uh, these these dad jokes yeah. right now i can't think of any of them but they're all slightly sexist they're slightly racist so i don't even know if i want to tell them <laughs> okay well here's a quick one that's that's easy to tell go on, um, go on. there was two two uh cows in a field mm. one cow says to the other cow what do you think of all this mad cow disease and the other one says i don't care i'm a chicken <laughs> <laughs> it's just totally, totally out of left field there yeah left field uh, right it. right i I'm, think my dad is going to go shortly anyway yeah no i think i think i think i'll let you go uh no aiden thanks for taking the call if you want to send me on that book i'll definitely have a read of it I, and hopefully hopefully get Many back in soon peace to you my friend goodbye and good luck take care see you take it easy see you thanks uh, that was Aidan Killian. Oh, he's a, he's a character, all right. Uh, yeah, I knew him from a few years back, and I'm glad he took the call. And he's some very interesting kind of points of view there. I hope you like this episode. If you have liked this episode, my name is Shane. This is Heartlines. And uh, take it easy. And remember, you're always welcome here on Heartlines. Heartlines.